0: I'm Kay Firth Butterfield at the World Economic Forum. And I'm Miriam Vogel with Equal AI, and this is In AI We Trust. Hello Kay, Kay. I'm so looking forward to this interview
1: with Mikesh Dalal and you. Thank you. Uh, Likewise, Mikesh and I uh, have worked together on a number of things at the World Economic Forum, and uh, I know that his interest in responsible AI is extremely strong and long-standing as well.
0: Yes. Well, we are so fortunate that you've made the introduction of Mukesh to Equal AI because we've learned so much from him. I think it's really exciting to hear from companies that don't immediately come to mind when you're thinking of artificial intelligence. And Stanley Black and Decker, we think of tools, we think of mechanics, we think of building infrastructure and and large systems, uh, to know that they are not only very mindful of the ways that they're using AI, but that they have a chief AI officer who's so deeply committed to ensure they're doing it responsibly, has been both reassuring and also insightful. It really has um, been very helpful for us to hear where he is on his journey and, and what
1: questions he's thinking through. Yeah, absolutely. And also making that point that whether you're a 178-year-old company that's known for manufacturing tools or not, you're still actually an AI company or rapidly becoming an AI company to take you into the next part of the 21st century.
0: Well said. Exactly. So for all those reasons, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Let's jump in. Hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of In AI We Trust. This week, we are pleased to welcome Mukesh Dalal, the Chief AI Officer at Stanley Black & Decker, to the show. As Chief AI Officer, Mukesh provides thought leadership and guidance to the company's artificial intelligence strategies. Prior to Stanley Black & Decker, Mukesh was Chief AI and Data Officer at Bose, and earlier worked as a Chief Scientist at BAE Systems. Mukesh has a computer science degree, a PhD in computer science, and an all-around expert in the topic. uh, And I should add, a very important participant in the Equal AI badge program. So for all of these reasons, Mukesh, we are so excited to have you on our show and to listen to your insights today.
2: Thank you, Miriam and Kay for inviting me to your podcast on an important and timely topic. Hello to all your wonderful listeners. I'm a little bit under the weather today, but I will try my best to be clear and coherent.
0: Thank you, Mukesh. We uh, definitely want to hear everything you're saying, so we will listen intently. So to start us off, could you tell us how did you first become interested in Responsible AI, and how has that interest shaped your career?
2: Yeah, so in my very first year of college, I wrote an automated bidding program for the popular game of Bridge. For this, I learned my first programming language, Lisp, which was how AI was programmed those days. This project got me hooked into AI, and since then I have been working in AI, riding all the ups and downs in the business, research, and academic environments. I was convinced early on of the enormous potential of this very powerful technology. It was clear to me that misusing well-developed AI would be very bad for the world. Thus, responsible AI has always been in the background of all my AI work. It has also shaped my career in multiple ways. For example, after I switched from academia to industry, I took jobs that involved AI applications in traditional industries, such as supply chain and manufacturing. The aim was, and remains, to improve human and machine cooperation for better decision-making and operations in the physical world. Despite the growing popularity and even the hype of a large number of digital and virtual worlds, I believe that the physical world will remain an important part of a real world for a very long time to come.
1: Thank you, Mekesh. And of course, you know that, that deep embedding of responsible AI in your soul is, is, is truly music to my ears. But I want to change our focus a little to your role and experience at Stanley Black and Decker. At a recent AI summit in New York, he gave a talk entitled How to Deliver a Billion Dollars of Value from AI and Analytics to a 178-year-old global manufacturing brand. Can you go into your vision about how you're going to plan to achieve this goal and how and why a company like Stanley Black & Decker should invest in and implement AI technology or perhaps we should better say responsible AI technology?
2: Well, Kay, that was quite an interesting talk to give. I joined Stanley Black & Decker SBD about 18 months back as our first Chief AI Officer. I was asked to create and drive the execution of SPD's AI vision and a strategy for delivering value to the company aligned with our purpose and vision. So, SPD's overall vision has three aspects, performance, innovation, and responsibility. So, you see that responsible AI is almost explicitly built into SPD's vision. On the performance and innovation aspects, I was fortunate that jim or ceo and dog or president had already put sbd on its data and analytics journey that had started delivering low billions of dollars in bottom line value using targeted applications and use cases all we needed to do is to add more use cases at a scale across the entire company of course this is not as easy as it sounds since it requires creating a robust and scalable data and analytics infrastructure and getting quality data sets to train AI models. According to our initial estimates, we have already crossed $500 billion in total value delivered and may cross the $1 mark in the next one to two years. We see that AI and analytics use cases are littered across every part of the company, including including new product development, end-to-end supply chain, manufacturing and operations, customer and employee experience, and even finance and HR. There is gold everywhere we look. We just need to keep identifying and prioritizing the biggest opportunities since it's practically impossible to pursue all of them.
0: Mukesh, thank you for explaining that to us. And, you know, one of the reasons why I am particularly excited to talk with you today is because you help define a point that, that Kay and I often talk about, which is that most all companies are AI companies now. And I, I think it's really exciting to see the work that you've really leaned into at Stanley Black & Decker. Um, you know, most people think of your company as one that they rely on for tools, security, industrial uses. Uh, and you all have realized that AI is a key contributor to your work and, and that you're using it in many different ways and and decided to take the leap of, of creating this role that you're now in, the Chief AI Officer. Uh, can you tell us a little more about what that role is that you play specifically at the company and, and why you think other companies should have this, follow suit and, and similarly take on this responsibility of having a Chief AI Officer?
2: Great question, Miriam. Uh, yes, I think that most large companies will have a Chief AI Officer or some equivalent role in the next five years. This role will sidestep the dystopian, Hollywood-promoted fears of AI becoming our masters. Instead, it will focus on the practical use cases of extracting value, business value, from data and algorithms under eventual human supervision. So, for example, I expect AI to empower every business decision maker right from the CEO to the individual contributors to make better and faster decisions. Everyone will get their own personal smart assistant and coach combined into one. I also expect AI to automate every processes and operations and turn them into smart, collaborative workflows among humans and machines. We humans will need to do only the work that we really love and that provide meaning to us. So I see AI emerging as a first-class corporate function like finance and HR. Finance extracts business value from money, HR delivers business value from people, and the new AI corporate function will deliver business value from data and algorithms. It will permeate every part of every company, just like electric appliances. Bark and I think rightly said, a few years back, about two decades back, famous saying that software or digital is eating the world. That has a new updated version. AI has started eating the business world. So yes, every company uh, should have a chief AI officer, and I think it would have in the next five years. I
1: I agree with you, Makesh. And and obviously, one of your responsibilities as chief AI officer, as you said, you have this responsible AI um, pillar. And So I know why you decided to join the Equal AI badge program, which obviously Miriam runs um, uh, with Equal AI in conjunction with us at the World Economic Forum. Um, Perhaps perhaps you could tell us why did you join and what have been the big takeaways from the program that you've been able to apply maybe in SVG?
2: Sure. So responsible AI has always been in the background of our work as part of SPD's corporate vision of responsibilities, as I just mentioned earlier. A few months back, our CTO, Mark bebery and I started a partnership to bring it to the foreground and draft explicit principles for responsible use of AI. We looked at what other companies and organizations are doing in this area and found that The WEF, Equal AI, and others have already made tremendous progress. Rather than reinventing the wheel, we decided to learn from all the work that has already been done and hopefully contribute to it. That's why we decided to join this awesome Batch program. Our biggest takeaways have been the learning from experiences shared by experts like Kathy O'Neill and responsible AI leaders from companies like Google, Microsoft, and Salesforce.com. It's stuff like Ethical Matrix, Multidisciplinary Collaboration, Hub and Spoke Teams, and Building and Leveraging Customized Tool Sets. So really love the program, and, uh, and happy to be participating in it.
0: Well, thank you. That is so kind and generous and we're so grateful you're contributing and participating in the program because I think we've all It's fair to speak on all our behalf. We've all really benefited from your questions and your insights. Uh, One thing that's fun about our group is uh, we're all on the Responsible AI journey, but we're at different stages. I think we all know we have uh, more work to do. It will be a long journey ahead of us, and so I'm very glad we can do it together. Um, But I wondered if you could share a little bit about where you are at SBD in your Responsible AI journey, and if there are any challenges you've experienced thus far that you could share so that others could benefit from learning about what those look like and how you've dealt with them? And uh, are there other challenges you're expecting and preparing to encounter based on your conversations with other participants in the badge program or otherwise?
2: Yeah, so we are at an early stage of a responsible AI journey. We finalized and released our responsible AI principles just two months back. We also created a RACI chart. Defining clear accountability of multiple executives within SBD, including chief officers for AI, legal, HR, diversity diversity, marketing responsibility, chief information officer, chief security officer. I hope I'm not missing some. Uh, these principles were presented and approved by the executive committee. So there's a well... Uh, comp- uh, Very excellent buy-in from the executive committee as well as other executive leaders among the company as well as accountability shared among the right people. I think our biggest challenge will be balancing the investments in responsible AI governance with our investments in AI and data applications and operations. We need to avoid both under-investing and over-investing at all points in our AI journey. I'm hoping that as we deliver more value from AI operations, we'll be able to invest more into responsible AI governance. There are, of course, other challenges, but with right mindset and leadership, I think they will be easier than this challenge.
1: And it does seem, Mukesh, that you have, the right leadership in place. As you said, you just talked about all the members of the executive that that are that have bought into the principles. But in a recent discussion with Fortune, you and in fact the CEO of SVD, Jim Laurie, discussed what responsible AI means and what it looks like in practice, as well as the challenges that face the company. Perhaps you could share with our listeners your approach to responsible AI and how it resonates with importance within the company
2: throughout. Sure. So we are a diversified manufacturer with a large number of associates working in our manufacturing plants. So that's one application I'm talking about. It's very important that we bring the latest technologies like AI to our manufacturing in a way that is beneficial to our workforce. We also want to train and upscale our workforce using AI so that they become more proficient in using AI and other advanced technologies. That is using AI for upskilling in AI and other technologies. We also don't want our AI and analytics-based decision-making to be biased against any group of people. The future of work is thus a very important area for us in responsible use of AI.
1: Definitely. And talking about the future of work, um, Jim Laurie in that fortune discussion mentioned that when you first joined Stanley Black and Decker, you actually reported to the head of HR. Can you tell, tell us about the background of that decision and how it how it illuminates what the thinking was then and is now.
2: I'm so glad that you brought this up since it clearly highlights SBD's focus on people. Uh, In my dating discussions with Jim and Dawn and other execs before I joined SBD, it became clear to me that they had a long-term and clear vision for AI that is fully aligned with mine. How can AI empower humans who must remain in the driving seat? They suggested, and I agreed that I should start out in the HR department in order to make this vision clear to everyone. Thus, my first boss at SBD was our chief HR officer, Steven Subesik, who from whom I learned a lot, especially the first-hand insider's mindset of caring about all people. So I I think it was a very wise decision from Jim and Dawn and Steven and other execs that I start out in the HR department, and that's the part of a company that I had never been part of as a first-class member. So it did broaden my horizons tremendously.
0: Mukesh, you've said so much that we want to dig deeper into. I'm really fascinated about the upskilling work you're doing, and it reminds me that really all the topics we're touching here with AI have a flip side. You know, AI is exciting. It's powerful. I'm sure you're finding so many ways that it is innovating the work that you're doing and scaling the possibilities both for you and your consumers. Uh, it also has these risks. And and I'd love to hear a little bit more about what those risks are, how you mitigate them, your AI principles. And likewise, with the upskilling, you know, there's so much discussion about how uh, AI and our AI workforce will be problematic because the robots will be taking over. But uh, as you seem to indicate in your earlier response, savvy companies know better, savvy companies know that there is an opportunity to broaden the workforce, and in fact, need to, in order to ensure that they can successfully compete. So again, another the flip side of AI will be taking over some functions, but it sounds like you've also taken this opportunity to grow your workforce and to grow those who are able to support the important work you're doing.
2: A uh, uh, Great point, William. Every study that I have seen, we have seen about the impact of AI in the manufacturing is that companies that are investing more in AI, their workforce is actually growing. So this is completely counter to the fears that have been raised about the automation actually taking away jobs. That may happen in the future, but we don't know, and it may actually never happen. We will find new new ways of working that would actually improve the quality and the quantity of work, meaningful work, that we humans uh, can do. But of course, improper use of AI exposes us to a lot of other huge risks. And uh, uh, basically I could go into some of those risks uh, if, if, if if, that's th- that's the right thing to do at this point oh, of time.
0: Oh, Please do, by all means.
2: Okay, so uh, let me give some examples. For example, in autonomous driving and manufacturing, uh, bad AI could actually kill people, right? We all know that. Bad AI could crash financial markets leading to huge financial losses as we have seen in some of the flash crashes that have happened a few years back. Bad AI-enabled decisions could also lead to big financial losses, like what Jillo has experienced recently. Uh, They had to reduce their workforce in order to compensate for the bad decisions made by AI because they over relied on bad models, right? That's completely different from the automation use cases. AI-enabled decisions based against protected group of people could lead to huge injustice, as well as regulatory penalties in multiple jurisdictions. Biased results and offensive results could seriously hurt your brand and may even destroy it. Even your employees, your own employees, may get dissolution and rightly revolt. Since AI is putting decision-making and operations on steroids, the larger risk, the regular risk, the traditional risk that we see are magnified and become even much larger. On the other hand, AI has also become an easy target to pursue for vilification and damages, even if the outcomes are better than before. For example, AI algorithms, and we all, I think a lot of us know about this case, AI algorithms used in some California pre-trial sentencing were discovered to be biased, but still less biased than prior non-AI decisions. Yet, this did not stop people from basically talking about how biased the AI algorithms are and why we should not be using them. Something similar is going on in loan approvals in financial industry and possibly autonomous driving. So, people have expectations of a higher level of performance from AI algorithms than the pre-AI human decision-making. And, and so, the, the risk that, that goes up that way. Many of these risks are also applicable to SPT. For example, we need to be responsible in our video analytics so that we do the right thing for our users and don't violate facial recognition and other privacy regulations. Our factory robots need to be safe for our workers. We also need to minimize biases in our employee and customer facing smart applications. And products such as employ a skilling solution that we just talked about. Same applies to AI-enabled decision making relating to suppliers and other vendors.
1: Absolutely, and um, uh, you know there are all those interesting um, problems, and and there this idea that AI has to be not just a little bit better than we are, but a lot better than than us. So we could talk about that for a very long time, but sadly we don't have time. And I want to change gears with you a little, Mikesh. Um, we noticed in your LinkedIn profile that you said you're passionate about creating a better world using AI and data. I think that's true of Miriam and me as well. But in furtherance of that goal, you noted that you're also advising startups and other companies about building those AI and data capabilities. To drive rapid business growth. What we wondered was whether there are similarities or differences between your advice to an old established company like SBD and some of those startups that don't have the resources that SBD has. How can smaller companies address the risks presented by AI when they might not have the time or money or expertise? That's a great question,
2: Kate. Since even medium and small companies will need to use AI to be successful, they will need to use it responsibly in order to minimize the risk we just talked about. This will be important for their own survival. Otherwise, imagine breaking with your mission or the expectations of your customers and having to defend against all the lawsuits and regulatory penalties that will come your way if you are not responsible. Of course, small companies will have limited resources to invest in responsible AI so they will need to rely on trusted vendors and consultants just like they do do today for cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So I I see responsible AI following a lot of cybersecurity uh, uh, practices. The large companies will invest more to create or adapt custom solutions while small companies will use generic third party solutions. So I see a big market emerging in responsible AI products and services a great opportunity for some enterprising entrepreneurs.
0: You're so right. And it's the wonderful opportunity to do well by doing good, helping small businesses navigate this challenge both so that they don't create harms but also so they don't create liabilities that they can't afford to defend against um is is really a service that i think more and more companies will take on um and, and hopefully the right companies with smart uh th- thoughtful uh, governance systems like those that you've implemented will will be popping up to share those best practices. So uh, really excited about the work you're doing there, really excited about the work you're doing at SBD to make sure that they're on the right course. And we are really grateful for for your taking the time to share your insights today. But before we let you go, um, we wanted to ask you our new question that we will plan to ask all guests going forward. And that is, if you had a magic wand and you could achieve one wish uh, through uh, this uh, this wand of uh, one wish to improve responsible AI, what would that be?
2: Well, let me steal a wish and make two wishes instead of one. The first, highly aspirational one, is an AI system that would automatically correct and force every AI application to be responsible, imagine that. This is a moonshot, or should we say a populating bars kind of wish. So very likely this will not happen in the next 10 to 20, or perhaps even 30, 50 years. The second wish, more practical and achievable sooner, is pervasive global use of AI systems that automatically de-bias all the training data sets for each AI application. Because we know that a lot of biases come because of the biased data sets. And that is very difficult to correct because we have been making decisions in the biased way. And to get the realistic data sets, you have to collect from how we have been doing things, people have been doing things. So de those data sets so that we have less biased AI outcomes than human decision making would be an extremely valuable AI application because I don't think that application can be built without AI. So it is AI solving its own uh, problem
0: wouldn't that be nice we will all wish for your dream your magic wand wish to come true as you say it takes ai but it also takes humans it will be uh the partnership that hopefully will solve some of these really important questions and challenges going forward so thank you for the work you're doing thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts uh with us today and we really appreciate your partnership
2: thank you thank you for having me thank you
0: well, Kay, as we thought, that was such an interesting episode. Mukesh is so deeply thoughtful about his approach to AI, ensuring it's safe and inclusive. What were some of the big takeaways for you?
1: I think for me, the obviously, his journey with Stanley Black and Decker. But one of the things that I've been asked to advise on a lot, particularly by companies thinking about regulation, is, well, what about the startups? What about the young companies? Do they have to do responsible AI because they haven't got the money? And I just thought that Mikesh was so thoughtful about the fact that, yes, everybody within their means really needs to start with a foundation layer of responsible AI. And, you know, what are the problems? As lawyers, we know that you don't want to have your prize. Award winning startup suddenly lose its value because you didn't put in the right responsible AI frameworks. So I was, I was very taken by that. And also, you know, his hope for the future that we can invent an AI that actually automatically makes things responsible
0: well i think that is a very important wish a very complicated wish uh i i am glad that he is thinking through that and and doing the work to help us get there i think you know it was clear from the deep thought he's given to the different risks that that could emerge uh, in his industry learning from colleagues in adjacent industries um putting in place AI principles, um, you know, there's there's so much we can learn from the work he's doing, from what he has written, and, and likewise what he has shared with us today. So um, I'm, I'm really grateful he took the time. I, I think he's probably right that in five years we will see most big companies having a chief AI officer um, and and with smaller AI companies, as you said, it's it's great that he's giving thought, that others are giving thought to how to make sure that, that they are not in a worse position. As we think through inequities from AI, uh, we don't want smaller companies to be disadvantaged because they don't have the resources to be investing in responsible uses in particular as well, because those will be the AI systems that will be acquired by the larger systems eventually. And so for all of the reasons, you know, both what they're producing at the outset, but likewise, what they'll be embedded in along the way, we need to make sure that that they are uh, having the opportunity to have the same resources and thought uh, that the larger companies are now starting to put in on responsible AI governance.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we're here for, isn't it, Miriam, to help all those companies to um, have tools that they they can use. But, you know, one thing about every company having a chief AI officer, I'd also like to see them having a chief responsible AI officer sitting alongside that chief AI officer. Cheers to that, Kay. Well, I think that's a great
0: episode to help us launch this new year. I loved having that conversation with you. Thank you for this great conversation today. And thank you, Mukesh, for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Subscribe to or download our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. And if you like the podcast, please rate us or give us a review. To learn more or get involved, visit us at www.equalai.org and www.weforum.org.
0: And a special thanks to NP Agency, without whom this podcast would not be possible.